The moon and stars they wept. The morning sun was dead. The savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross. His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon him. We 
sing hallelujah the Lamb is overcome and we sing hallelujah we sing
Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord, that today is the day. Today is the day that you conquered death. There was nothing else that you needed to do except walk out of that tomb. And Lord, you did exactly what you said you were going to do. And Lord, we are thankful for that. And Lord, saying thanks, it doesn't even amount to what you deserve. Thank you is not enough, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we, as we go throughout this day, that our life, and the way that we live, the way that we talk to each other, the way that we behave, the way that we communicate, Lord, is our thank you to you. That we put on the fullness that is Jesus Christ. And we realize the, the significance of the fact that death was swallowed up in victory. It says that in your word. We thank you for that this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, we don't, we don't want to step forward today without your spirit. We don't want to do that. We need your spirit to be here this morning. I pray that the power of your resurrection is felt in this room today. Lord, because you've given us that power. That power sits right behind our sternum. Because of a, an act that's irreversible, it brings an irreversible truth. Lord, thank you that you did what you did regardless of how I feel. Regardless of my circumstance. Although important to you, Lord, you still walked out of the tomb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We need you this morning as we remember what you did. And again, we, we ask for that spirit to be here in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So, Jim. Right behind you, can you turn those lights on? Just all the way up with number one. There it is. Like that. So you guys can actually see. Amen? Over there at the Hilton, it's a little bit of a different setup. I'm not quite so high. All right? So first service took a little bit for me to get used to. Um, But welcome this morning. Today's Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Let's give God a clap offering for that. Hallelujah. And, you know, before I jump in, you know, Christmas, we love Christmas, don't we? It's a time of year that is just, it's joyous uh, for me as well, or for me at least. Um, But I'm realizing, I'm 30 years old now, about to be 31 in a couple months. Jesus started his ministry when he was 30. He was on the earth for 30-some years, and everything that transpired within that time, up until when he started his ministry, and then his ministry lasted three years and it wasn't as much of what he did in the midst of those three years christmas being his birth there's a bunch of things in the word that we we look at and we we model our life after after jesus but it's this day that makes all of it potent that makes all of it worth reading that makes all of it worth living amen so again I'm hoping that today moves from just a holiday, just one of those days that we observe, Easter Sunday. Man, I got to get to church on Easter. We move it from just one day to every day. Then I'm going to ask you this question 
the beginning of this sermon, I'm going to ask you the same question at the end. And that question is this. Do you live as though the resurrection of Jesus Christ is as real to you today, every day? One day should not be set apart from the next. As much as my life should communicate that Jesus rose from the dead in everything that I do. Because that's the whole reason for this season. Amen? You with me, church? All right, we're going we to dive into this this morning. Now, thank you for, for being here. I always say on Sunday morning that you could have spent your time anywhere else. And thank you for spending it with us. Um, we're honored for that. This past week, we had noonday services. Uh, we had our, our, our Seder meal on, on Friday, uh, excuse me Thursday night. And if you've ever been to a Seder, they're fascinating. We have a gentleman by the name of Steve Levenger who used to be on our council way back when. Um, still in communication with him. But he's a full-blooded Jew. He's got the blood of Jesus Christ flowing through his veins. And he took us through that Seder meal. The history in it is unbelievable. So if you've never been a part of one of those before, I would suggest that you, you jump into that. Um, and as well as those noonday services, the Seder meal, we had our Good Friday service, which was, which was great. And I just want to extend a thank you to anybody who participated in those times, but also anybody who helped with the um, administration of those those events, bringing snacks on a noonday or preparing venues or any of that. So thank you. But those noonday services, we went through the theme for those, those, those days was the seven statements from the cross. The last seven statements that Jesus said while he was hanging on the cross. Now what I want to do this morning, before we talk about the resurrection, is in order for us to get a good picture of him walking out of the tomb, we have to have a good picture of his journey there and the fact that he died. He died. Now, I, uh, I point that out because by definition, for anything to be resurrected, it has to die. Now, Jesus didn't just go to sleep for three days. <laughs> this man did exactly what he said he was going to do. So I'm going to take you from the fourth statement to the seventh statement. We're going to look at those real quick. I'm going to use that as my introduction this morning. We're going to look at those four statements, and then, then we're going to jump into the Word. We're going to jump into 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20. It's about it's 1 through 20, but what we're going to have up on the screen is 12 through 20. Now, hear me when I say this, that I'm going to sound like a dead, beating a dead horse every Sunday morning. But at this point, guys, like I really, I really don't care. <laughs> Simply because at Eosis, we just preach the Word. My personality will not save your life. My analogies will not save you. My jokes and all of that, whatever that comes in, that's not potent. But it is the word of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ that I'm hoping gets into your soul this morning. Are you with me? We preach the word here. Don't take my word for it is what I'm saying. My job is simply to proclaim the word of God. And for you to feed on it as sheep. Because me as a shepherd, I'm never going to bend down, pick up the grass, shove it in the sheep's mouth. That's not my job. I'll put it out there in front of you. Feed on the word. It's your job to eat this morning, ladies and gentlemen. I pray 
that you are ready to feast on this this morning. Amen. It is one of the greatest things to look at, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, let, let's start from the fourth statement. And this morning, wasn't ready for it, but my leadership decided that I didn't have a Bible that was sufficient enough to, pre- not necessarily to preach from, but the other one that I had was like pages are falling out, raggedy, whatever. Then I went to using my phone, swiping, you need... Uh, reception for that. Then I had my laptop. So I guess since January, they've been getting money together to get me this this Bible. It's amazing. They brought me up first service, and I cried. You know, that's okay. Um, but it's it, it's an amazing gift. But if you can turn with me to Matthew twenty-seven, and this is Jesus's fourth statement. Matthew twenty-seven. And this would be verses 45 through 49. And in this, he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. This is him screaming out, crying out to the Lord after he's been on the cross for what the word says, a period of three hours. Now, in those three hours, there was darkness that covered the earth. Now, what that phrase means, it's translated right after that verse, that statement, and this is verse 46, right after that, it says, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now that phrase, the Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, is Aramaic, and it's translated in the Greek to my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now it's interesting about this statement that it's, it's the first and only time in the word that the Lord addresses his father as my God and not father. Now, there's a reason for this. That word forsaken just means turned from. In this moment, he took on every sin that would be committed, every sin in the moment that was being, and every sin that had been committed before that time. It was this moment, ladies and gentlemen, That he took on all of that for you and I, for me, for you. Think about that. Now here's the significance of this moment. Is that of all the things that Jesus could complain about on the cross at that moment. He's got nails in his feet. And he's got nails in his hands. And something about crucifixion is that when you get those nails put in your feet and your hands, there's a little block underneath your foot or your seat. They call it the hope block. You would push up on that to relieve the stress on your hands. But when your feet or your legs got too tired and you needed relief on the lower extremities, you would sink back down. But what that would do is that puts so much pressure on your lungs that your lungs would begin to collapse at some point. So you pick your poison with that one. There's no comfortable place on the cross. And in this moment, when Jesus takes on all sin, and it says in the word in Habakkuk 1.13, that the Lord cannot look on sin. In this moment, Jesus, excuse me, the Father didn't somehow put Jesus up for adoption. He didn't do that. He wasn't all of a sudden not his son. There was still honor there. There was still love there. There was still a relationship. But the Lord could not look on sin. 
So he simply just turned his head. And of all the things Jesus could complain about, he's only concerned about his relationship with the Father. Why have you turned your face from me? So what does that mean for us this morning? In the midst of your affliction, in the midst of things that rub you the wrong way, that are hard on a daily basis, are we more concerned about our pain? Are we more concerned about the nails in our hands and our feet? Pushing up to relief one part of our life so that the other will fall victim? Or do we simply be concerned about our relationship with the Lord in that moment and what he's saying to us? Are you guys with me this morning? And if not, go ahead and shake your head no. It's cool. We'll talk afterwards. Because I really want to make sure that this stuff sinks in. Don't say yes just because you're sitting in church. Listen. Oh, I'm into it. See, she knows. She knows Jesus rose from the dead. I'm not into it being a good thing to agree with. Agree with it because the Lord's doing something in your heart with it this morning. But that takes us to the fifth statement. And that is in John 19. Excuse me. I'm sorry. It's in verse 48 of this same passage. And the Lord just says, I am thirsty. Now, if I had more time to delve into that, there's a lot of history behind that word, behind those three words, I am thirsty. But after the Lord's thirst is quenched, if you can with me, turn to John 19.30, and that brings us to his sixth statement. And this one's big. It says that after all of that, after everything that he'd been going through, Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, that's what they gave him to drink. He said, it is finished. Everything that the Lord had been purposed to do was done. Now, you've got to understand something about the Lord, about Jesus Christ. And you've probably heard it before, but I'm going to say it again. That he was fully God and also fully man. This fully God business was not like he had an ace up his sleeve. That at any moment he could kind of just, you know, I'm good. As if he wasn't subject to temptation or susceptible to sin. When it says that he was fully man, I want you to think about the stuff that you deal with on a daily basis that's hard for you. That you're saying, my goodness, I know this is sin. I know I should not be in it. He was susceptible to that same sin the same thing now at any moment he could have called down a legion of angels and just said i'm good take care of this for me but guess what he didn't he could have tapped out at any moment but he didn't that's what makes his life so potent now at this moment there's only one thing left for him to do. Every prophecy has been fulfilled up until this moment. Every Old Testament prophecy, his suffering is finished. His, yeah, all of it is done. He has one thing left to do, ladies and gentlemen, and that's to die. I opened up this message with saying that he didn't just take a three-day nap. 
by definition, for something to be resurrected, it has to cease to have life in it. Now, the other part of this is, is the end of John 19.30. I want you to see the posture that Jesus has. Keep your finger at John 19.30. And we're going to look at Luke 23.46 and then jump back to John 19.30. So um, one, one chapter to the left. Luke 23. Verse 46 is, 46 is Jesus' final statement from the cross. And he says, and Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When we look at John 19.30 and he says that it's finished, We have to understand that this crucifixion is not an execution. He willfully went through this. He chose this death. It's not like he was, yes, maybe he was wrongfully accused or, or whatever. But it was not an execution. He chose the pain. He chose to get whipped 39 times to the point where he, beyond recognition. He chose to have a... Uh, crown of thorns pushed down into his skull chose all of that and you know what else he chose he chose to die in this moment he says father i commit my spirit into your hands now john 1930 gives us a little bit of a snapshot and a posture that jesus had in that moment he says he bowed his head And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So when you have nails in your feet, in your ankles, and you got those nails in each one of your wrists, after a certain amount of time, things start failing. And traditionally, Romans, what they would do in order so that they could go home and they didn't have to watch you die for more hours is they would break your legs. They would take some kind of tool and snap your legs so that you couldn't push up. So Jesus is hanging on the cross right now. Traditionally, in my study of this, in, in people's last few moments, what they would do in order to gain more of a moment in time where they're on this earth, they would, they would push up, gasp for air, that last little bit. Of being able to be around for a few more moments. They push up and guess what that is? That's self-preservation. Let me get myself in a position where I can breathe just a little bit more. Let me prolong my suffering. So let me ask you this question. When you're going through something, we can't really liken our pain to the crucifixion because that's, there's just no connection there. But there are things in your life that rip your heart apart. There are things in your life that you go through that are tough. In those situations, are you about self-preservation? Or do you simply bow your head and commit your ways to the Lord? Or on the other side of things, do you push up? Let me try to do this one last little bit. Mm, let me just, okay, 
I know that I'm about to die anyway. But let me just put my hands on this one more time. See, even in the midst of Jesus' deep pain, his crucifixion, he wasn't even about himself. He bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. At some point, ladies and gentlemen, we need to bow our head and submit ourselves to the will of the Father. And then watch this. Luke 9, 23. It's one of our discipleship verses. We have to die to ourselves so that he can live through us. Ladies and gentlemen, I do not want this morning to be another Sunday morning message. Another Resurrection Sunday message. When is it going to sink in? When is it going to sink in? I'm not, I'm not coming at you guys this morning saying it's not. I don't know. That's for the Spirit to know. But no more pushing up. No more pushing up. We have to move ourselves to a place where this resurrection is, is potent every single day. And it, it shows itself through the way that we live our life. That was the last thing that Jesus had to do, that he was purposed to do, was to die pre-resurrection. So here's a question for you. And this is where we get to jump in to the text for today. So is everybody with me this morning? Yeah? Good stuff. I feel really far away from you guys. And it's just, I don't know if I ever get used to it. So this new building we're about to, about to build, probably less stairs. I like to preach from my notes. And that's a lot of stairs to climb. A lot of silence, awkward silence. Yeah. And you can tell I'm out of breath as I get up here. But now we get to jump into 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to ask you this question. What if Jesus didn't die? What if he didn't die? What would that mean for us? What if there was no resurrection? And let me, let me put it this way. Is that I don't ask questions for question asking sake. That gets you in trouble. Because if you just keep asking questions, you never land on anything. But what I appreciate about the word of God is that it answers every single question. Now, in preparing for Sunday morning, what am I going to preach on the resurrection? Like, honestly, I don't know if I need to preach because it speaks for itself. But I ask the question, what if he didn't die? What if he didn't raise from the dead? Well, guess what? First Corinthians 15, 1 through 20 gives us a snapshot. Of what it would look like if he didn't raise from the dead. If today never happened. If he was faking it from the cross. Or this was just some glorified story. And mm, all of the world is got the wool pulled over their eyes. So if you can, open up your word. to 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 really quick. Okay, It's going to give us a little context. That's another important thing. You can pull anything out of the word and make it say what you want. But when the word interprets the word, it gives you context. It gives you the basis on which words are being said, passages are being communicated. So here we got 1 Corinthians 15. And this is Paul. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And hear me when I say this. This man is speaking to people who have seen with their own eyes 
this resurrection. They've seen it, but their life says otherwise. So my appeal to you this morning is going to be just that. That you have seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life, in my life. I've seen it. But there's areas in my life that don't communicate that. And there's an issue there. Verses 1 through 8, real quick. Now I make known to you, I being Paul, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. Most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. And that's Paul. Now he says untimely born because Paul has a history of persecuting Christians before his conversion. And that's really what he's talking about. But let's, let's turn to verse 12. What would happen? What would it be like if Jesus didn't die, if there was no resurrection? Well, here we go. In verse 12, it says, now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching. Preaching is in vain. Your faith is also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testify against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Now, verse 19 is what kicks me in the face. In studying this, it just slaps me in the face every single time. It says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. We of our, are of all men most to be pitied. Now, that's pretty heavy if Christ didn't raise from the dead. It's a question that the word answers. Now, let me, let me break this down for you right quick. Verse 15, excuse me, 14. Preaching would be senseless. What I am doing right now, what I would need to do is close up shop and go home. What's the point? What's the point? All you guys are coming, sitting a certain way, listening to a weird guy speak about something that has no bottom to it, no foundation. Faith would be useless. That which you believe in, it would be useless. Preachers would be liars. I would be a false witness. That's in verse 15. 
Verse 17, not a single person would have been redeemed from sin. Not you, not me, not anyone. Now, what's the penalty for sin? It's death. It's death. See, you would have had to pay that price. Anybody in here with a father, or excuse me, with a son, fathers in here, would you give your son up? I don't have kids yet. So I think about my family. I would give none of them up. That is a hard reality. But because he did what he did, we don't have to do that. You don't have to pay the penalty of sin. In verse 18, it says all former believers would have perished. So basically what that means is if you know anybody in your life who's passed away who is a believer in the Lord. You went to the funeral and it was more of a celebration of life rather than sorrowful. Well, if he hadn't raised from the dead, what's the point? That person would have died and died forever. There would be no heaven at all. Now, these are things that you guys are kind of like, okay, whatever. But let it sink in that we know the end of the story. In verse 19. Christians would be the most pitied people on the face of the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, he was either the greatest man who walked this earth or he was a lunatic. There's no gray area. There's no gray area. But what I love is verse 20. It says, but. Hallelujah. You know, growing up, having my dad preach and then... January, giving the church over to me, I've heard so many messages from him. <laughs> and he always says, there's big butts in the Bible, and there's little butts. This is a big one. But, now don't let your mind go there, okay? Hey, cut that off. <laughs> what I'm saying, this but is monumental. But now, Christ has been raised from the dead. Ladies and gentlemen, again, Christ has been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Let's give him a clap offering for that this morning. See, we, 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 we can have a good view of the resurrection one day a week. Or excuse me, one day a year on Easter. But to understand what he went through, his death, up until the, the, the point where he was in the belly of the earth for three days. And then he walked out of the tomb. The significance of that, ladies and gentlemen, is it brings us to... The title of this message. And let's put that up there right quick. An irreversible act. That established an irreversible truth. See, there's no gray area. And my question to you is. There a gray area that you live in. In your life. From a day to day basis. That communicates that Jesus didn't walk out of the tomb. That's a reality. Because what I appreciate about this message, regardless of how I feel at any given moment, whether I'm trying to push up, preserve, self-preserve, or even bowing my head, it still happened. And my feelings don't change that. So why should it change one day of the year? Are you guys with me this morning? See, this is what I don't like. My notes are too far away. 
Like I said, if he didn't, we are all lunatics. But I thank God that I don't have to be referred to as that because he did walk up out of the tomb. Is he the resurrected king in your life or is he not? He is either God over all in everything or, ladies and gentlemen, he's God over nothing. Think about that. He's either God over everything or he's God over nothing. But regardless of how we live our life, it still happened. But let's take that and say, you know what, Lord, I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian anymore, a lukewarm follower of Christ anymore, a lukewarm disciple. What I want to do is proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ in everything that I do. And what is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Let that come out of your mouth. Amen? Again, do we push up? Or do we bow our head in submission to the Father and die to ourselves so that we may live in Christ and Christ may live through us and in us? Now, we're going to get ready for offering here. This is... The first closing, I guess, if you want to call it that, we'll have two or three more. Who knows? But what I want to do before that is I want to read to you Isaiah 53. But I want to read it to you. I preach out of the NASB. Uh, But I want to read to you Isaiah 53, which is a prophecy about Jesus before Jesus even came from the New Living Translation. And it is spelled out so beautifully here. The conduct of us towards Jesus in this moment. So let's read this. And it's the whole chapter. It's only only 12 verses, so it'll go pretty quick. But it says, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his power, powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot. Like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. And we did not care. Verse 4. Yet it was our weakness, weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. We've pushed up. Self-preservation. Yes, the Lord laid on him the sins of all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. 
And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. Now, ladies and gentlemen, descendants is children. Guess who children are? That's you and I. That's you and I. That his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Verse 10. This is what I spoke on earlier. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him. And cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied, he being Jesus. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. In verse 11, I'm going to read this one more time. My righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. If he didn't walk out of the tomb, man's redemption and salvation would not have been complete. But because he did, they were made complete. And now we, ladies and gentlemen, have access to the Father. You have access to the Father every single day. And I want to appeal to you this morning to not take that for granted. Please do not take that for granted. Let's get our our, our worship team back up here. And get prepared for our offering. You guys can come on down here. My my appeal to you this morning, as you sit and you listen, is that let there be no gray area. Let not today be one of those recalibration days, although it can be. But from here on out, proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your words towards your parents, in your words towards your kids, in your actions towards each other. You got to understand, Jesus came for one thing. It was to have a relationship. So let the proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ come out in your relationships across the board. Amen? Heavenly Father, let's, we, we, we pray for this, this offering, Lord, knowing that all of these resources come from you. And Lord, as, as this plate goes by, Lord, it's the only place in the word that you say, test us. But even in thinking about resources and money or whatever it is, Lord, and that it all comes from your throne, even that is wrapped up in the resurrection. That we claim you as God.
over everything, even our finances. We give you what's yours this morning because that's what you ask. Lord, that comes straight from your word. And you ask us to proclaim your word and then feed on it. This morning, Lord, we want to do that. I pray that you would bless the offering that whatever gets put in there we can use to bless this city. Because, Lord, if it's not about adding seats to the kingdom, we need to close up shop and go home. But you did something. There was an act that was irreversible. No one can go back and say that that didn't happen. It happened. And it brings an irreversible truth that you are who you say you are. And you get all of what is yours. Thank you for this offering, Lord. Bless it so we may bless you. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and pass that. Maybe this morning, something from this message has touched you. And I will say this over and over again. There's nothing about me that can change your heart. Nothing. But maybe the Spirit's been working on you. Maybe the Spirit's been working on you in a, in a, in a fashion that's bringing you to Jesus today. That what we get access to because he walked out of the tomb, in your spirit, you're saying, man, I want access to that as well. Because he did what he did to transfer our trust from ourselves to him. There was a gap between the Father and us. And through him dying, he closed that gap. Closed it. So that we can approach the throne freely. If you have never accepted the Christ accepted Christ into your life for the first time if you've, if you've never done that then now might be your moment resurrection Sunday what a perfect perfect Sunday for that so I'm gonna I'm gonna pray so let's stand to our feet as we close Heavenly Father Lord the word of God is what changes our heart no pastor no worship song no amazing analogy that makes us connect our lives to the word lord it's the word that interprets the word that brings out through the spirit a response to that word and lord maybe somebody's heart is responding to the fact that they understand that even in the moments when you were dying all you were thinking about was your father and your children that you had to do this for Alex you had to do this for Veronica you had to do this for Seal you had to do this for Josie for Thomas that's what you were thinking in those moments Lord you were thinking the same thing about everyone maybe you're moving on somebody's heart right now Lord Jesus if, if they are willing to make a public proclamation of, of saying, I want to accept Christ into my life for the first time, Lord. I, I pray that they would just throw their hand up into the air right now and we will rejoice. All the heavens will rejoice because another seed has been added to the kingdom. If, that, if that's you, please throw your hand up. We will pray for you and rejoice together as a family. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.
Well, maybe there's there's somebody in the room as well who wants to deepen your walk with with Christ. It's called being a disciple. What do the red letters say about being a disciple? Being a follower of Christ. Not what I say, not what Alex says, but what does the word say about it? We have resources, a class that you guys can go through to just give you a snapshot of what that looks like and then go and do it. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've taught you, being an example. If you want to know how to be that example, after service, come and talk to me, and we'll get you hooked up. Deepen your walk with Christ. Come talk to me or, or Beck or Rick Richter or my dad. But we want to extend that to you this morning. Let's close. And in closing, when the word is presented, I can't force you guys to do anything. I can't. But if the Lord is doing business with you right now, this altar is for you. Laying things at the foot of that cross. Sometimes the Lord needs us to have a posture, not only of heart, but also a physical posture of kneeling down before him. Now I'll say this to you. If you go up to the, to the front, you, you lay it all out. Leave it there. Leave it there. But don't leave your relationship with Christ at the cross. He's saying, I'm going to help you walk without your baggage. I'm going to help you walk in the midst of victory. Do not divorce your relationship with him. He's only concerned about you. You be concerned about him as well. So let's sing this song and let's close this morning. If the Lord wants to do business with you, the altar is open. But let's give it to him. In Jesus' name.
you did and the fact that you don't go back on your promises there's nothing about this moment where you walked out of the tomb that Lord says that hey you know what I'm going to take that one back you gave that one freely to us Lord I pray that we pick that up and take that with us wherever we go we can walk from this place this morning saying you know what yeah the word says that there shouldn't be a gray area and I'm going to live my life from this moment in the midst of persecution in the midst of temptation in the midst of everything that is hard that I don't want to do I'm still going to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ in my life that he is God over everything and there is no gray area there is no gray area Lord we give you a clap offering this morning saying thank you for walking out of the tomb. Thank you for doing what you said you were going to do. Yes, Jesus. Lord, I pray that as these people walk from this place, that you would cover them with the blood of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit would go before them, come after them, and be on every side. Protect them from the enemy because spiritual warfare is real. It's real. But Lord, you conquered all of it. Lord, you said in your word, 1 Corinthians 15, in the latter parts of verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Lord, you conquered death. We are victorious because you were victorious. And therefore, we walk as a victorious people. We're not second-class citizens to anything, especially to sin. And we no longer ask our past for permission to be successful today. We're going to walk in Jesus' name. So, Heavenly Father, we bow our head. We bow our head in submission to your will. We die to ourselves so that you may live through us. We love you. We thank you. And we thank you by living a life that says that. In Jesus' name, it's not by our will or by our power, but by his might, by his spirit, that we are able to even breathe. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You're free to go. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday.